All right, we're going to get into this. Y'all ready for the word? Let me tell y'all something, man. Whew, Canaan almost preached my message, but here, before we get, get started here, let me just do a little. I just like to know, because uh, every once in a while, the, uh, the Spirit of God will give me something, something specific for you, and I want to know, I just want to get some confirmation. I sent out a, uh, a text about let not your heart be troubled. Did, 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 did that hit somebody specific? I know it'll bless anybody. Bless me. <laughs> Let not your heart be troubled. When you get a bad report or whatever. But how many of you specifically needed that word when you got that text? Oh, wow. Awesome. Isn't the Holy Spirit wonderful? I mean, man, I know when the Spirit of God comes on me and, and gives me direction to do something, man, and it's just so wonderful. But you, you know, you send the text out, you don't know uh, who, who it hit. Well, I'm glad it hit you. Amen. And hang on to that thing. I mean, sometimes, see, we get breaking news. Most of the time, breaking news is bad news. Isn't that right? Breaking news, you know, some terrorist attack. Some kind. Isn't it good to have, we need to have breaking good news. And, and you can put that in front of you all the time. Let's get into the word. We're just going to jump right in here. Second Corinthians chapter five. We talked about last week. I want to go over that and bring some clarity to something I said about the broad is the way. The scripture says that leads to destruction, and few there are that find it, and narrow is the way that leads to life. And I explain what that's talking about. Now. This doesn't mean that believers are going to go to hell if, if, they don't, uh, if they don't live by grace and live by God's unmerited favor. Because there are Christians who are um, walking in their own self-effort. They're living by their performance and not living by God's grace. And that doesn't mean that if a person's not, a person can be saved but really not walking in grace, they're living by their own performance, their own self-effort. But that doesn't mean they're going to hell. But when the scripture talks about broad is the way that leads to destruction, it's talking about the religions of the world. And you don't even have to be in religion, but people who believe that there's many ways to God. See, that's the broad way. There are many religions, and most religions teach do good to get good. Okay, but that's the broad way, and it leads to destruction, thinking that you can get to the Father by any other way than Jesus. But Jesus said, I am, how many of you know Jesus can't lie because he said, I'm the truth? Some people think that, well, Jesus was a good man, but uh, he, he wasn't God. He was a prophet. He was a wise man, but he wasn't God. No, Jesus said, how could he be a good man according to you if he said, I am the way to God and no one comes to the Father but by me if you can get to God by other methods and if there are many ways to God? No. But see, there, there's this broad way that leads to destruction. And see, 
The narrow way is the way of grace, that you can only come through Jesus. Acts uh, 4.21 says, Neither is there salvation. I think I have this verse right, but look it up. You can easily get a concordance and look this up. Check. See, check when preachers preach, check it out in the Word. Hallelujah. Man, there's so, mis- so much misinformation out there, and I'm, I may, if I touch on it today, I might. I got something on my heart, and I really um, I, I want to kind of lead up, up to it, but I may not be able to hold it that long. But anyway, anyway back, back to this. Jesus uh, said that neither is there salvation, excuse me, in Acts. It says, neither is there salvation in, in any other. Say any other. For there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must, M-U-S-T, be saved. So Jesus is the only way to God. But see, people thinking that there's, well, you know, because most religions, and there are a lot of people that think, well, you know, I believe in God, but um, you don't have to go through Jesus. That's the broad way. The narrow way is the way of grace. The broad way is trying to earn, another way to say it, is try to earn your salvation by what you do, works-based salvation. But salvation is by grace through faith. And it's not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. And when it's a gift, you can't earn it. See, God's... What's grace? Grace is unmerited, unearned, undeserved favor. Now then, let's go into talking about your identity. It's very important to know your identity. In the light of your co-inclusion in this death and resurrection, I want to say when I see that word inclusion, because there's words that's thrown around and they're used to uh, say other things, like there's this inclusionist uh, doctrine that everybody's saved. That's not what the Bible teaches. Everybody's not saved. The price has been paid for everybody's salvation. So if, it were, if everybody's saved, then the Bible would say, by grace you're saved. But it doesn't say that. It says, by grace you've been saved. Now that tells us, man, I'm getting something here. That part of it, now that's not the end, so don't turn it off now. See, um, so that's, that's what got Tennessee Tuxedo in trouble. Whenever, you know, he needed to understand something and he got stuck, he'd go to Mr. Whoopi. And so he'd get so excited that when Mr. Whoopi would tell him stuff, and he got so excited, but he wouldn't stay and see the end, and that end part is what got him in trouble because he went and ran out, him and his buddy Chumley, and they would run out and they jacked themselves up because they didn't stay to see the rest of it. Amen. Gloria knows what I'm talking about. Some of y'all don't know. You need to go back and get educated. Know your history. Your cartoon history. But see... The inclusionists say, by grace you've been saved, and they go run off. <laughs> and they, they don't wait to hear the rest of it. Because there's a part where, where God's part was, he did the whole work. 
See, see that, that's, that's the message in 2 Corinthians, uh, actually, right here in this, this verse. If we go on reading, it talks about God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing the trespasses under them. But you've got to read the other scriptures, too. So the world sins, not just Christians, because you're a Christian, because your sins, before you were a Christian, you were the world. Everybody was the world at one time. He died for the sins of the whole world. That's the reason why you can be saved. He said he reconciled the world to himself. That's the by grace you've been saved part. But the next part is through faith. You've got to believe. It's not by works. Unless the work you're talking about is believe. Because that's what, uh, when the disciples said a very important question. I almost posted this on uh, Facebook. I thought about posting this. Uh, What can you do to do the works of God? I bet you get a lot of responses. Then I, would, then I would follow up by saying, what did Jesus say? I bet you get a lot of responses. Well, you got to do this, and you got to do that. And the do-do list comes out, right? <laughs> but Jesus said, when they asked him, what must we do to, to do the works of God? He said, believe on him whom he sent. The work is to believe. That's it. Amen. So uh, everybody's not saved, but the price has been paid. So by grace, you save through faith. He that believes, Jesus said. Jesus said, go and preach the gospel. If everybody's saved, then why do we preach? (laughs) What's the point of preaching if everybody's saved? Let's just eat, drink, and be merry. (laughs) Right? Amen. You getting something? So uh, Jesus said, go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved. Got it? All right. So in the light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, what that means is, that he had you in mind. Man, I feel some kind of strong anointing up in here. Man. Let me just pause right here. I, I just, I marvel. I'm going to eventually, we're going to get into, once we get finished talking about your identity, we're going to get into talking about the Holy Spirit and then the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and ministry gifts. Because so, so many people get so confused. And I want you to understand the anointing that's on your life. It's just so powerful. And I, 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 I love talking about ministry gifts. We'll eventually talk about that. I mean, we've had people like Connie Witter lately. Connie Witter came in here, Jeremiah Johnson and so forth, all preaching the gospel, but all of us preaching different ways. And I hear somebody say, man, oh, man, I get it. I really get it because they might say it, say the same thing I'm saying, but say it in a different way that you can receive it. 
that you can understand it. You may not have understood it the way that I, that I said it. And I, but I planted a seed. And then they come in and explain it just a little bit different way. And then you get a hold of it. See, a mature minister uh, doesn't get offended at that. I don't get offended at that. I, I just like marvel because all I want is a pastor. Why do you think I bring these people in? Because I want you to get it. It's not about me. Amen. I want you to receive all that God has for you. Hallelujah. When I ministered in Haiti, and I knew that this is why I went over there, I taught in a church of over a thousand. There were people, I mean, it was, we had a, we had a roof and it was out, was open on the sides, and in the back there were people seated, and there were people outside standing up listening to the gospel. Hungry folks. Thank you, Haiti. Beautiful people. I said, beautiful people. And they just, they received me, and man, they got that word. And, and uh, the pastor told me, I didn't even know it until days later. He just kind of sitting in the front row listening real cool. But later he told me through a translator, he could speak English, but he could speak more fluent uh, French. So he, uh, through his wife, interpreted and he said that what I taught was a summary. I summed up. See, you can't make this up. At the last minute, I was called over to Haiti. I taught a message, and he said, I talked about righteousness by faith, preaching the gospel. It's just all about Jesus. And he said, I've been teaching this for 10 months in my church and have been getting resistance. He said, you just summarized everything I taught for the last 10 months. And people were coming up to him and saying, I get it now. Isn't that something? I said, isn't that something? Who can do that? The Holy Spirit. And I, I want you to know him better. I want to know him better. He's the teacher. He's the master teacher. He knows what you need. All right, in the commercial. In light of your co-inclusion in his death and resurrection, whoever you thought you were before, I love this. See, this is about changing your mind. You might have thought you were no good. You might have thought that you weren't accepted by God. You might have thought that you weren't loved by God. You know what repentance is? It's not snotting and spitting and, and all that kind of stuff. Balling and coming to the altar. Ah! That's not, that's not what repentance Repentance means to change your mind. And people might think if they come into this environment and you're just sitting there quiet, nobody's hollering. I'm not hollering. You're not hollering. Preach it! Now, Gloria might, but... And that's cool. But some people, if you're not informed... You, you, you may think that there's no repentance going on. But when you were thinking wrong about God and you begin to think right about God through his word, repentance takes place. Now, you might cry, but it's not the crying that's repentance. It's you change your mind. And you might shed some tears. Thank you, Lord. 
Man, just simple things. When you understand that in the light of your core inclusion in his death and resur resurrection, that you don't have to die to self. If you, if you, if you thought you had to, I die, I die daily, like Paul. That's not what Paul was talking about. Look at it in some uh, modern translations. It, it says, I face death daily. That's what he was talking about. He wasn't talking about, he, I'm dying daily. I'm dying to self. That's religion. You don't die, you're already dead. <laughs> see, somebody got that. And see, what happens is, see, 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 if you didn't know that, you thought you had to die, but you were included in the death of Jesus. And Paul said, I'm crucified with Christ. You're already dead. So since you died, live. You were raised. You were not in his, just in his death. You were raised together with him. You were included in his death and resurrection. Because he died for you, he took your place. Everything that Jesus did, none of it was for himself. All of it was for you. He who knew no sin became sin for you, for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. For you died and your life is hid with Christ in God. Glory to God. So you don't have to die daily. So if you thought you had to die, and now you realize you're dead. Guess what happened up in here? You repented. Change your mind. When, when you thought, oh my goodness, I'm going to save this one. I was in a meeting recently. And, uh, and, a, and, and the minister said this. And this lady got hit. She got hit. I love when revelation hits people and repentance takes place. They changed their mind. She couldn't stand it. She'd get up because see, religion had been, religion like, is like uh, push you down. Like, I was going to say like a hammer. It's like that, but it's almost like in the arcade place over at like uh, uh, Chuck E. Cheese. You know them, them things where the things pop, you get that mallet. And the thing will pop up, you try to hit them, and they be up and down. And, you know. That's the way religion is. You, you, you get up a little bit, they try to hit you, get you back down there. You just up and down and up and down. And, and, the, and the man of God or woman got boom, 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 they try to hit you. Huh? And that's the reason why a lot of people don't go to church. They're tired of getting hit. They show up and they boom, and they're like, <laughs> they get gone. They, they don't attend church for a few weeks. They come back, boom, they get hit again, man. And after a while, after a couple of lumps, in my mind, I got a cartoon uh, kind of mind today. You know, with them cartoon with that, that thing really keep coming out of their head, you know, big old, and, you know, little hairs sticking out of it. That's what religion does to you. It beats you up. You can see that, can't you? <laughs> Man. But see, whoever you thought you were before, you thought you weren't accepted. But now all of us, all, every part of you is accepted by God. Your spirit, soul, and body is accepted by God. When you used to think that the Holy Spirit 
we'll get into this with the Holy Spirit, but you, you used to think that he came and went. He comes and goes. He, he's there when you do good. He leaves you when you do bad. But when you understand he never leaves you forsaken, that he abides with you forever. Oh, my goodness. See, it's the washing of water by the word. It just washes all that religion out, man, and you just free and you just relax and you enjoy your life with Jesus. Amen. Hallelujah. I don't know about you, but I'm preaching myself happy up in here. Whoever you thought you were before in Christ, say, I'm in Christ. You are a brand new person. See, I, I love it. I use this illustration all the time. Carla mentioned it recently, but let's say this car is you, and this Bible is Christ. So when you're in Christ, that's what God sees when he looks at you. What's this Bible represent in this illustration? Christ, this is you, and you're in Christ. So whatever is true of Jesus is true about you. As Jesus is, so are you in this world. I wonder, is Jesus accepted by God? So are you. Do things work out for Jesus? Then things work out. Say, things work out for me. Is it all good with Jesus? then it's all good with you. Is Jesus sick? No. He's well. So are you. Is Jesus addicted? No. So it is with you. Man, this, this frees you up. See, I'm talking about, what am I talking about? I'm talking about your identity. Your identity is in Christ. See, it's not about... Do's and don'ts. See, well, if I do this, then, I, and I talked about raising children. Oh, man, I wish I had known this years ago. But the Lord will help you even if you had, have grown children and you didn't know this. Praise God. God's got them. So no condemnation. But this whole thing, you reap what you sow. No, we reap what Jesus sows. And you need to get a hold of that, see? And while it's, it's, it's good and proper to teach your children that there are consequences when they do things, but it's not God that's punishing them for doing wrong. See, the enemy will take advantage of things but we can minimize or eliminate the consequences of the bad choices of our children through prayer. I, know, I knew that. I, I gave you an example of that last week just get, get, in my own life. So just get the CD. Amen. But here's what, here's what I want you to see. You reap what Jesus has sown. And what you teach your children, see, because while you teach them consequences of doing wrong things, it's got to be undergirded by a deeper truth. It's got to be undergirded by showing them who they are in Christ. Because see, what happens is, if you just tell them, well, see what happens when you do this? 
that doesn't give them the power to change. Think about it. Well, see. See what trouble it got you into? That doesn't give them any power to change. What gives them power to change is showing them who they are in Christ. You're better than that. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are a child of the Most High God. Jesus lives on the inside of you. And what you did, that bad behavior in school that you did, that's not you. Well, you're just trying to psych them out. I'm not trying to psych them out. This is true. This is what's true about Jesus, so it's true about your children. No matter how they're behaving. Need the world and put labels on them. No, well, my ch- don't say my child's this. My child's ADD. My child is ZBC and, or whatever they got. Always coming up with stuff. No, my child is in Christ Jesus. See is. What do you identify with? What do, and, and, and here's how you know. What do you talk about the most? It's whatever you focus on is what you're going to talk about. If you focus on the behavior and the, and the conditions that the world put on them and the labels the world put on them, that's what you're going to talk about. But how often do you talk about that my child is the righteousness of God in Christ over and 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 over? Because that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. We're going to get to that. Man, I can't wait to talk about the Holy Spirit. One of the things that he comes to do is to convict you of your righteousness. Now, how many people talk about that? Most people talk about, well, the Holy Spirit is going around. He, he's, he convicted me of this sin. He convicted me of my wrongdoing. He convicted me of this behavior. He was convicting me. I did this. And he convicted me. And the Holy Spirit got all on me. And you hear all of that stuff. And the Holy Spirit doesn't do none of that. He doesn't have a ministry of condemnation. This Holy, the Holy Spirit in the New Covenant, see, this is a ministry of, of, of righteousness. And one of the things that he does is that when he comes, he said he will convict the world of sin, only one sin, not sins. He said sin. He doesn't convict the believer. He convicts the world. Not of their wrongdoing, not because they were in the club last night, not not because they were smoking weed. He convicts the world of one sin and the sin of rejecting Jesus. Come back next week. I'm going to talk about the unpardonable sin and show you why it is. How many of you are a believer? Then it's impossible for you to commit the unpardonable sin. Impossible. And I'm going to show you why next week. You can't, you can't do it. So don't let the devil see. And see, here's, here's how repentance comes in. When you've, when you've felt like you committed the unpardonable sin, but once you find out in the Word that you can't do that, repentance takes place. 
if you change your mind. So, okay, I, 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 see, I see what the word says. And it frees you up. And then the devil can't take that mallet and beat you. You committed the unpardonable sin. There are people in the insane asylum because they think they committed the unpardonable sin. The devil will twist scripture up. I remember I, I had a cousin, and my aunt wanted me to come talk to him. And I don't know what, I don't even remember what he was into. But I was trying to convince him uh, through the word of, of, of Jesus' love for him and what, what the word says to restore him. And he said, and then um, his mom, my aunt, was backing me up. And he turned to his mom and said, but mama, he, he that's uh, convicted in his heart is condemned already. What are you talking about? I don't even know what that means, really, how that related, okay? And that's what the devil will do. He'll confuse people with scriptures and think that they can't be restored. Hallelujah. Well, I'm a backslider. Where is that in the Bible? You are still in Christ. So whatever you did, stop. Amen? There's no backslider prayer. You're in Christ. I used to have altar calls for salvation, which is right. But then I had uh, another one for backsliders. I was just copying what other people did. But um, there's no prayer for a backslider. You're in Christ. See, you just forgotten who you were. You just forgot your identity. See, that's what Paul did. Paul just point, pointed people to their identity. People that were stealing. Now, how many of you know that's not right? You know what Paul said? Come to the altar. Repent. No, he said, steal no more. He said, stop it. Isn't that a crazy idea? Why? Because that's not who you are. Hmm? And if you don't know who you are, see, see the devil, man, he's, you, you, you can't fake it. Like those seven sons of Sceva. Man, they were like, we adjure you. They were trying to cast demons out. But they didn't know the Lord for themselves. He said, we adjure you by the Jesus who Paul preaches. Huh? You can't say, well, my grandmother would say. You need to have your own salvation. Huh? So, <laughs> we adjure you by Jesus who Paul preaches. You know what those demons said? Jesus, I know. <laughs> no, think about this. Man, that's, that's fascinating to me. I adjure you, like, come out by the Jesus who Paul preaches. The demons answer back, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. 
but who are you Turkish? <laughs> and those demons whipped the clothes off them jokers. See, it's that they didn't know who they, 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 they didn't. It's that, man, they had no identity. Like, we don't know who you are. The old ways of seeing, I, believe it or not, we're still in this. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else. See, see everybody else in Christ. You're not more important than somebody else. The old ways of seeing yourself and everyone else are over. Acquaint yourself with the new. Acquaint yourself with who you are. Get into the word and find out who you are. And keep reminding yourself. And instead of thinking, well, the Holy Spirit convicted me of this, he convicted me of this, relating it to wrongdoing, go around talking about how, see, the Holy Spirit's convincing me, convicting me of my righteousness. That's what he does. That's what he does for the believer. He convicts you of your righteousness. We've got to lay hold of that. Those who receive, that's lambano in the Greek, it means to, to, to take, lay a hold of. Those who take a hold of, even though you made righteous once through the blood of Jesus, when you made Jesus the Lord of your life, you became the righteousness of God in Christ. But after that, you've got to remind yourself. Daily, you've got to remind yourself, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You've got to take those who lambano, take, lay a hold of the abundance of this grace. You can't preach too much on grace. That's what the devil fights. He, he doesn't want you to have an abundance of grace. Grace is not a message. It's a person. It's Jesus. Grace is the gospel. They that receive the abundance of grace and the gift, the gift, the gift of righteousness reign in life. See, because all these voices in the world, you've got to continue to remind yourself, I'm loved, I'm righteous, I'm accepted, I'm approved. 100% of you is approved. 100% of you is accepted. Just stay tuned and wait till we get into the Holy Spirit. But right now, just let me just, this has been on my heart. Somebody needs this. Don't let people, you're not led today by prophets, like in the Old Testament. You're not led by apostles. And don't let people, they're going around playing religion. They're playing church with these titles, and they get to be an apostle, and all of a sudden, they're over, they're over me because I'm, I'm just a lowly pastor. And now somebody gave them a certificate, and they went to some school. No school and no certificate, no bishop ring gives you credentials to be a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. All those things do. I'm not against the rings and certificates. I got things on my wall. I remember one time a man of God told me I was... <laughs> I invited him to speak at a minister's luncheon that I was a part of this group of ministers, and I still am, but and he, he came in, and I had a ring. I had a ring that um, anybody have a class ring? Uh, I've, I've, got a, I've got a class ring. I can't fit it anymore for some reason. My, my fingers grew, and, but I, got, I have it in my house. Don't laugh, but <laughs> at the time, it would fit, but now it's a nice ring, but I had the ring on, it was a, a ring from my Rama graduation. And, uh, and, and the man of God said that, <laughs> he referenced me in the message. He said, the devil's not scared of that ring. <laughs> and he, he was right. I mean, I, I, just, I didn't take any offense by that. It's not the ring. 
I got a bishop ring. I got rings, I got papers. See, all those things do when people have those things. It's a confirmation of something that they, they already have the call that's on their life to be an apostle or a prophet or, or whatever, or a pastor. Hands are laid on them to acknowledge a call that they already have. It doesn't make you anything. A piece of paper doesn't make you anything. And people go around talking, but you don't, don't even know their name anymore. They got to say prophet this and prophetess that. Apostle that come and give me a break. It's like me. I mean, I don't even know where my marriage certificate is. I ain't got to go around talking about carrying around my marriage. I'm a husband. <laughs> you know, I am or I'm not. You understand? I don't know where, I know I'm married, right? Am I making any sense? So these people that talk about, they, they think that, and the reason why, because the next step is, it's a lot of this stuff is self-effort, and they're trying to make themselves something with no power, no evidence of it, and so you know them by their fruit. And just because somebody says, well, I'm a prophetess of this, or I'm a prophet of that, that doesn't make them that. And that doesn't mean, listen, I'm, I'm saying that to protect you. They can do whatever they want. They can have business cards with prophetesses. But when they come up to you and try to get you to listen to them, and they give you some kind of sort of word that the Holy Spirit never told you anything about, you just said, you know, hey, I love you and have a blessed day. And uh, get, get out of there as soon as you can. Because they're just playing church. Man, I can tell you, most of these words people give me, and they think they, because see, they think there's a rank. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, you're just a pastor. I'm an apostle. See my certificate? I don't need to see any poster stuff on Facebook. I don't need to see the certificate. Where's the fruit? And why, does I, why do I have to listen to you? Because you got that certificate. Like me coming and giving you marriage counseling because I got a marriage certificate. Well, I'm going to show you scripture. I'm just wetting your appetite. I'm going to show you scripture that you are just as anointed as an apostle. Now, see, they don't want to hear that, the people that are trying to promote themselves. There's a lot of that self-promotion going on. You can do all of that stuff, man, and it, just don't, it don't mean a hill of beans if God hasn't anointed you to be whatever office, what you're trying to be, whatever. Amen? I've had people come in here and say, um... The Lord told me it's supposed to be a prophetess. I'll tell you two occasions. One past and one in the recent the present. <laughs> right out there, they told me I'm a, supposed to be a prophetess. They pop, up, pop in every once in a while. Don't hardly listen to the word. Just sit there. Don't crack open their Bible. Don't want to hear the word. But after, they said, the, the Holy Spirit is going to change your denomination. 
I said, I'm not, sister, I'm not in a denomination. Yeah. Well, what I mean was, no, you already blown. Your cover's blown. Right. Like somebody got up and prophesied. As I was with Moses in the ark, so will I be with you. And I said, wait a minute. The Lord thy God maketh a mistake. As I was with Noah. See. Because even when you have a word, some, uh, um, me or anybody else, you check it out in the word. Or check it out in your heart. If it doesn't witness with your heart, forget about it. I don't care if I told you or, or somebody else. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Because I want to help. I want to cover you. So you won't be listening to this nonsense. People come and trying to give you words. Another, another time, I'll, I'll let you go. What time is it? Doesn't matter, does it? Amen, because I'm still preaching. <laughs> Somebody else tried to confront me in a letter. And, and they, if you got something to say, just say it. But they had to preface it. As a prophetess of the Most High God. And was talking about how all these churches are there's so many, they're getting this kind of club spirit, you know, because they're looking at these lights and the haze machine. I haven't been in a club in a long time. I don't know what the club looks like. If it does look like this, I imagine it might. But it's the same lights that anybody can go to the store and get. Who created lights? The club? No, God. Amen. It's like you got to, I mean, you got to look a certain way and, and all of this kind of stuff and, and, and basically talking about, and they told me to go back to my first love. Not, and they're saying this as the prophetess of the Most High God. You know what I did with that letter? It went in the file. I've got a special place for stuff like that. Huh? Okay, so last, last verse, Galatians 2.20, real quick. I've been crucified with Christ. You already died. Watch this. This is your identity. Christ lives in you. It's no longer you who live, but who? Christ lives where? Say, Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. See, it's not about your love for God. It's about his love for you. Okay? I'm going to ask you a question, but I don't want anybody to answer because I don't want you to think I'm trying to embarrass you. Are you listening? I want you to listen real good. So I'm going to do like James Brown. I'm going to hit it and quit. Okay? But don't answer the question. Okay, you got it? All right. Where does Christ live? I want you to think. It's all right to think in church because what I'm going to say, it might be contrary to what you heard, but just listen to what the Scripture says. A lot of times, 
I've been guilty of this, just repeating things that I've always heard. How many of you, everybody say, don't answer this question. Now you can answer it in your mind, but don't answer out loud, because I don't want to embarrass anybody. How many of you want to be closer to God? Okay, now, you can't get any closer to God than you are right now. It's a waste of time trying to get close to God. You're already close to God. You can't get no closer than in you. Oh, I just want to get close to God. Oh, Lord. Let me be close to you. No. You, you, you as close to God as you're ever going to get. I use this illustration a lot. Trying to, I, I go to the grocery store to get something. And I get home and it was already in the refrigerator. I just wasted my time. And a lot of people wasting their time. They're trying to get something that Jesus has already done. He's already in you, so now you don't got, got to go around looking for him. Oh, I feel far from, I feel far from the Lord. You walk by faith, not by sight. Just start saying he's in me. Well, I, I just thank you, Lord, right? I'm getting excited right now. And it's, not, it's not a feeling. I'm a, I do feel something right now, but I feel, I'm excited because I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm identifying with my identity. And I'm saying, Jesus is in me. And just start shouting. Not a feeling. Lord, I just thank you that you never leave me. You're in me. Christ lives in me. You are right here, and you are, what, you got some trouble? You are an ever-present help, ever-present. He's not coming and going. He's right there in the midst of your trouble with you to bring you through it, bring you out. All these people trying to get close to God, they're always going through, always going through. When are you going to come out? See, when, when you recognize that he's in you, you go through and you get out. Thank you, Lord. And you're happy when you're in the midst of the trouble because you know you're not alone. I'm going to run out of here. I love this. So I don't need 17 steps to the presence. I'm in his presence right now. See, this doesn't make for exciting preaching. You know, I mean, I mean I'm excited right now because I know what I'm excited about. But, but see, people, that, they, they, you know, they, they, they need something else. It, it just seems, it's too simple for people. It just, they, they need, what's that, what's, that, what's that 13th step to the presence? No steps. Man, I just saved you seminars. Yeah. 
to go back. The reason why you're having these challenges, because way back in your childhood, you got this, this thing, and somebody said this about you, and this demon spirit got a hold. Man, be quiet with that mess. Does, is Christ demon-possessed? Is Christ oppressed? Is Christ free? So am I. Whatever I thought, whatever you thought you were before, you're not that anymore. Don't let anybody try to bring you back to that stuff. Well, your past, your daddy was an alcoholic. I, I went to my ancestry, ancestry.com, and, and then I found out, you know, my, my relatives are back in England or Ireland or Africa and stuff. And what if you found out that they were all, you know, idiots? <laughs> that don't have nothing to do with me because I'm in Christ. I can tell you my ancestry, but I can say, but, but that's fascinating, right? It's too simple. Adam, Abraham, Jesus, and me. <laughs> if I'm in Christ, I'm Abraham's seed. I'm heir according to the promise. Christ has redeemed me from any curse, having become a curse for me. All that stuff, all that, all that bad mess, all the mess of my past was punished on the cross. Even your bad mistakes, even what you've done wrong, it was punished 2,000 years ago on the cross. No generational curses. Jesus took all the curses. You're not destined to be no alcoholic because your daddy was. I don't care if your great-grandfather was alcoholic, your grandfather was alcoholic, your father was an alcoholic, all that stuff is on, Jesus took care of it on the cross. You don't identify with your relatives, identify with Jesus. Falling in love with Jesus. The best thing I've ever done.